Welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench. I'm Brendan Sinone, and I am really, really rusty from 10 days straight of drinking. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Are you Chris, still drunk? No, I, I stopped some point last night, and I was like, okay, got coming out of vacation, though, got to get together a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I enjoyed a few cocktails over, uh, over my vacation. And, and while on vacation, I think we learned something, guys, and that's that that Florida state gets a lot of commitments when I'm not by my computer. So, well, um, I think that's just true for, uh, for any of us. Uh, we've all experienced that at some point. Maybe just, I should get fired and then Florida state's recruiting class will be top five guaranteed. Josh is shaking his head. Like he agrees. No, no, I, I, I don't agree. I I wouldn't put my promise on that. Okay. All right. So some, some ball games. If it was that easy, you'd have been fired a long time ago, Brendan. <laughs> Things have been downhill since I joined Knowles 24-7. <laughs> it's been a slope. All right. But there has been good news in the past 10 days or so. That's a couple commitments. And I think that's what we really want to focus on the podcast is, is some of the developments with recruiting because our last podcast when all three of us together uh, wasn't super positive. It was talking about the June gloom and, and really that down streak of, of recruiting in June with some some questions with the tactics FSU used, whether it was effective to not really go all in in June and kind of put your chips in for July. But uh, lo and behold, uh, there was a couple of really nice commitments. So let's start off, guys, with Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, four-star wide receiver from Louisiana. He's ranked as a 208th overall prospect nationally. 24-7 sports is higher on him. He's 124th. Guys, this was someone who was kind of surprising. I know FSU staff kept this really close to the vest. Uh, Chris, I'll kick it to you. Uh, this guy wasn't really super on the radar other than having been around in what the spring this wasn't a commitment we were expecting at this time though yeah he came in for the spring game spent the day there visited a good bit coach uh ron dugans went over to see him a couple times during the spring eval period fsu was keeping tabs on him but his commitment was a bit out of the uh realm of surprise it was not expected certainly very good get for fsu talented kid he definitely fits in what kendall browse wants with kind of a speedy slot versatile receiver. And, and for the sake of transparency, uh, Chris hasn't been able to come over to the house and record for, for a while now because I have a sick dog and it aggravates him to have guests. So Chris will be back and we'll be recording where our chemistry will be on spot in like the next couple weeks or so. Uh, so guys don't, don't be too mean to him for his crappy audio. Okay. Josh, your thoughts on, on the, on Douglas. Uh, it was great to see the donk come out of the garage on July 4th. Um, just before the fireworks, Ja'Kai Douglas committed, I think it was right about 5.30 p.m. I was I was, uh, grilling, I was grilling out hot dogs and, and hamburgers at that time, and I had to step, <laughs> sit down and do the scouting report. I know. I saw the tweet, and I was like, I was about to go outside and start the grill. I was starting at 6, so I was just like, saw the tweet. I texted you guys. I was like, let me grab this. I'll, I'll report it real quick. I reported it. Um, and got Ja'Kai Douglas on the phone, though. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like Chris said, it kind of came out of nowhere. So I asked him, you know, did you make a surprise visit, something that we didn't know about? Because our last known visit of you was April 6th for the spring game. And that was the only visit that you took to Tallahassee. Is that correct? And he said, yeah. Um, said he's going to try to make it up. I'm not sure if he's going to make it for SNL. He he didn't seem like he knew exactly when, but he had mentioned um, – either before the season or during the season. So there's a window where he can visit before the season, which is SNL. And then uh, during the season, I would, I would imagine would be when he takes his official visit. Um, The relationship with coach Dugans is what sealed it. 
Now, he's not shut it down. I asked him if um, he had taken any of his officials yet, and he said no. And I said, do you plan to? And he said, here's the quote, I'm going to take one to FSU, Florida, LSU, Alabama, probably all of them. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Alabama and LSU will be visits. I spoke with Shay Dixon of our LSU site. I spoke to Hank South of our Alabama site. He said that they were not active with um, Douglas as of recently, and he did not you know, neither of them really foresaw him coming back on their board, but didn't completely roll it out. So we'll see if he actually takes those. What I took it more to mean is that he's going to take his FSU official. He's going to take his other officials in the fall and we'll see what schools those are and, you know, what we need to kind of be aware of. Um, I do think, you know, right now he's a solid commitment. FSU needs a slot guy. They went out and got him, you know, identified Douglas as the one. And I, and I'm not quite sure. I don't anticipate them taking another slot. So, you know, Douglas could be walking into some, some, a good situation at FSU and maybe one of the best situations out of any of the teams that are actively recruiting him. Who, who wants to break down Douglas's game for those who haven't gotten to see him? Chris, are you familiar with it? Do you get to watch enough of him to, to talk about it comfortably? Sure, I should have planned this out ahead of time. My bad. Yeah, I like his film a ton. I mean, he's a speedy, quick guy. He's one of those guys that you could line up in the running back spot, slot. You can kind of jet bubble do a lot of different things with him, get him in space, get him the ball, and then go and play to his speed. He's a good receiver. He's put together well enough on kind of a compact frame. He does a good job of kind of attacking all parts of the field. He'll go up and attack the ball. I think he's a really good get, and I think he's a guy that what Browse likes to do with wide receivers in his offense as far as versatility, I think he fits that bill very well. I do disagree slightly with Josh. I kind of view Arian Smith as a potential slot now he can also play outside. I certainly think he's a guy that remains on the board. But if we're talking just pure hybrid slot inside receiver, Douglas is probably your guy. Yeah, and, and I'll just answer that. Yeah, and I, I do I think Arian Smith can play the slot. I guess in the times that I saw him over the summer, he was not playing the slot. So I kind of got used to seeing him in seven on seven on the outside. Uh, six foot one. I agree with you. I think he could play either one. Um, but I don't think like Arian Smith coming in would be necessarily a direct threat to the slot position. And yes, yeah, and I, I agree with you and specifically the slot position that Douglas will play his, mm-hmm. his versatility is made solely for that position while Arian's a little more versatile as yeah. far as an inside outside guy. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like you want to look at FSU's wide receivers right now and how we are expecting them to be running Kendall Brown's offense. Like DJ Matthews is that prototypical when you think of like an NFL slot receiver, really, and maybe undersized, but, but will be aggressive over the middle of the defense. Uh, he's really quick. And you have uh, Keyshawn Helton, who's going to be more of a gadget guy who can come into the backfield and, and be someone who can take a handoff or do work on reverses. So uh, I think Douglas is more in that realm of, of Keyshawn Helton where someone who you can be kind of a gadget player and do everything with. Uh, so you can have more, I guess what I'm trying to say guys, you can have more than one slot receiver in this offense. Cause you're going to be going four wide a lot. So different types of guys, different types of uh, body types and, and skills. Uh, and Douglas certainly fills a need is what it looks like. So that's two wide receivers now, right? With Malachi Weidman, Douglas, what do we think yeah. now looking at the wide receiver board? What, What's left? How many more do we think? Do you think another two or so is what they're looking at at this point? I definitely think one. I think two is certainly mm-hmm. a possibility. I think it's Brian Robinson and Arian Smith is really the names. Now, Robinson, the true outside big boy. Arian Smith, we've talked about a little bit already here, where he's an inside-outside versatile guy. He's got speed to burn. The big thing with Arian Smith, he's not in a rush. He's probably going to name a top eight or nine today. 
and uh, track is a big deal to him. Track's really going to play into his recruitment. Plus, he's a guy that, truthfully, if you're projecting it long-term, you may lose him ultimately to track sort of similar to Marvin Bracey's career at FSU where track became the sport that was going to pay him quicker and sooner, and it claimed him. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen with Arian Smith. It's just something you got to be aware of. Yeah, I'm not as high. I'm not as – I shouldn't say as high. I'm not as optimistic on Arian Smith as it seems Chris is or – our message board is I kind of think FSU is on the outside looking in on this recruitment. Um, we'll see if he makes it to Saturday night live. That could go a long way in making me change my opinion on his recruitment. But I think another, I think FSU uh, is going to steadily recruit him, try to get him in an official visit, whether he comes for Saturday night live or not. So I don't think um, he's a name I'm going to drop off the board completely. If he doesn't show for SNL, uh, they also like Caleb Long. I'm not convinced Ron Dugans loves Caleb Long. Um, he's a six foot five, 180 pound wide receiver. He would be somebody FSU could play on the outside. I anticipate if they do take, I know they're going to take one more. If they do take a, a fourth in this class, I think it's another kind of dominant outside wide receiver. And I think Caleb Long would be a good fit for that. All right. So we fair to say we feel better about the wide receiver board because that was one of the positions we knew was a need. You go ahead and you hit Douglas. So now you're looking at maybe one more. They're in really good position with Robinson. Uh, you guys mentioned a couple other targets. So, yeah. so wide receiver board looks a lot hurdles. better. I mean, there's right. still hurdles to go. You got, you got, you know, some, some Malachi Weidman grade concerns. You got to make sure that he stays focused and finishes strong throughout, not just this year, but next year. Um, and then, you know, with Ja'Kai Douglas, he's a kid that said he's going to take all five visits. So even though I consider him a solid commit at this point, this wide receiver board, while they have two commits and everything looks real good right now, you know, it's, they got to maintain this. Right. It, it, this comes back to everything we've been talking about for months now is you have to look good at, on the field this season. I think that's one thing like with, with Brian Robinson, they sold, they're selling him right now on the idea that the offense is going to look different, that James Blackman is a true QB one who's someone you can come in and, and guide the offense. And if Robinson were to come I don't in know a year later, selling him that. I think they're, he's waiting to see that if they were selling him that he just made three visits, he would have committed. <laughs> if he was sold on that fact that you just said right now, he would have committed. I didn't say, I didn't say that he was sold on it. I said, that's what they're selling. That's what they're pitching him. Maybe that's right. what I should say. I mean, that's, and that's what he's listening to. Pitch. And he's, he's waiting to see that play out. But mm-hmm. I, I think with keeping Douglas, or, you know, I think Weidman is, is set, but keeping Douglas is probably contingent on the offense looking better this year. You need to do that. Mm-hmm. So I guess my point, though, was the wide receiver board. You feel a lot better about it today than the last time we had a podcast. Yeah. And right? hey, if they do come out and they, they do the things that they're going to say, you could maybe see Douglas, you know, make a tweet three or four weeks in the season that he's shutting it down and he's locked in on FSU. Right. I, you know, that's not out of the realm of possibility either. All right. So let's go to another commitment. The other commitment. Uh, this happened just the other day, and it's at another position of need. This is one that wasn't anywhere near surprising. You guys were both pretty plugged in on, uh, had crystal balls in for him for a while, and that's Manny Rogers. Uh, depending on what recruiting service you listen to, it's a three or four star defensive tackle uh, from uh, from the what's it the Stewart area, or it's Jensen Beach specifically. Uh, but someone who has a ton of upside, hasn't played football for a really long time. And it looks really good given the lack of experience he has as prototypical size at what, what was he now? Six, six, three, seventeen was the latest, the latest yes, height correct. weight on him. All right, Chris. So what were your thoughts on, on that commitment? That's the guy who Odell loved, right? And that's the guy that FSU wanted. And it was a need. Seems like, seems like it was a solid take. Yeah. yeah he's a guy that Odell had been on for a long time and Odell wanted for a long time. I'd put him in kind of that, uh, 
Carter was another one of those guys at the tackle position that, you know, Odell has wanted for this entire process. Manny fell in that same realm. I know their rankings are fairly different, but they're both thought of in that way by Odell Higgins. Um, I like him a ton. A lot of people are going to talk about him as an offensive tackle. I certainly get that with 6'6", 317, good feet, good athleticism. That makes perfect sense. But FSU wants him as a defensive tackle. He is coming in at the start to be a defensive tackle. He's a big-bodied kid, physical, plays with a bit of aggression that you always want to see. He's only played one year of high school football, but he was very, very productive there for Jensen Beach. And those who actually know his real stats and have watched his video rank appropriately, <laughs> like 247. And didn't rank uh, fake kids. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on the Berg bump? Because that's uh, – well, you know what? Let me ask Chris. Chris, do you know what the Berg bump is? Well, I mean, when you work with someone so influential who just controls every decision made by the company like Josh Newberg, it's not shocking that when his school receives a commitment, he immediately pushes him up just to infuriate and cause conspiracy theories by other websites. I have not commented on this to date, not even on the big three roll up, not on the not on the bench. Um, well, thank you for saving your exclusive content for the podcast that you get paid kind of sort of to do. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I think the uh, I, I think I'm going to no comment this. <laughs> oh, you come like, on. Spray you like the mystique? Way. Well, well, here. All right, well, all, Brandon, I got a question for you. Where where exactly does the Berg bump come from? Is this um, because FSU Twitter canceled me, said I was bad for the program and all this kind of stuff. So where is this Berg bump rumors coming from? It's coming strictly, well, not strictly. It's coming from mostly Florida message boards based on what I've seen. Uh, I think Miami too, but because FSU Twitter will tell them a whole different story about me. That's what I was going to say. I think there's three factors at point here that I want to get your thoughts on. But one is the conflicting ideology of what Florida state fans think of you and what Florida and and Miami fans think of you. One think that you're out to get Florida state and the other one think that you're promoting Florida state almost instantly. Uh, but with the two things that don't make sense to me is one, uh, does anyone think that Josh really cares enough to to go out of his way to? I've said the numerous rankings? times. I've t- I, me and Chris probably at the same time. I think it was like 2016. He and I both tapped out of recruiting rankings. Right, completely. right. It, but like you don't get worked up over it. You don't pay. You don't. You're not doing the day to day stuff with it. You'll help out when someone when your opinions has. But to think that you're picking up a phone to text someone, be like, yeah, we got to get this guy bumped up right now. It's funny. On, take that. Take that a step further, Brendan. Not only am I taking picking up my phone and texting that to Barton or Will Fong or whoever they say that they are listening to me. Why? What's the motivation for that, Will Fong and, that, and Barton to change it? Because they just like me. That was my second. That was my second point: is to think that you have the influence to get the, the, them to change the rankings immediately. One of the conspiracy uh, theories was when the Colquitt uh, kid, the tight end, committed to FSU, and a, a couple hours later, I guess he had a ranking. Um, I think in general, as a rankings, you know, you want to have everybody ranked that you can. It's never you're never going to have them all ranked because thousands and thousands of kids play. So a kid commits to FSU. Barton throws him, you know, watches his film. They do what they do. I don't even know who watched the film. I don't know who evaluated him. I don't even, I have no clue. Um, and they rank him as like the 1500th best player in the country in a three-star tight end. <laughs> and there's outrage over that. I'm like, how much film do you need to watch to see an average three-star tight end? Like how much, how does, does Barton need to go to some more games to determine that he's a three-star tight end? Were they outraged? 
that he wasn't ranked in the 2000s or that he was ranked as like the 1600th best player overall. Because at that point, ranked at all. It was the third star you know, that got them. You know when I learned Carter Boatwright was ranked? When I saw the conspiracy theory. <laughs> same year. Same, same, same year. Well, well, even just like for like a glimpse behind the curtain, like that was another, like as that commitment occurred, we didn't know who that was. Like we were talking to, I, I talked to a current commitment on Florida State who had no idea who the kid was. Like that was out of left field. And I remember Nee and I were both watched the film and simultaneously like, yeah, like that kid's actually pretty good. Like we understood the take immediately after watching it. Uh, so that's kind of what the national people do too. You think that they know every single guy, especially like in like rural South Georgia, it's not possible. So yeah, you see a guy, you rank him. Right. Uh, it would have been suspect if he put a four star ranking on him and had him as like a top 25 tight end of the country. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I've never seen the outrage. It just goes to show you how bad recruiting is right now for both programs. But <laughs> it, I've never seen the outrage over a kid ranked in the thousands. Back. All right. Back to Manny Rogers. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we could hash this out real quick. I think it needed to be said. I do enjoy reading the. the I just wish FSU fans. fans. I just wish FSU fans would agree with UF fans. I know. I know. I know. They'd probably. I'm sign fine up. with UF fans thinking that. All right. So with Manny Rogers, do we think the defensive tackle board is done? Uh, because he is, you know, even though he's a high upside guy, he's only been playing for a year and, and has room to grow as a technician. Or is there someone else that they're going to go after with him? With that in mind, I'll well, let Josh. I'll take, take this off the jump. Yeah. Weekend. Yeah, I, I uh, wrote a story on this on Sunday afternoon, kind of like where FSU is going to go at the defensive tackle position. Um, I expect them to take at least one more. Very similar to how Chris and I described the wide receiver board. I think you could kind of do the same for the defensive tackle board. Yes, they do need one more interior guy. There's no question about that. Um, and if there is a third that wanted to jump in that they liked, uh, they have room and they have a a potential need, especially, you know, we've talked at length about who could go pro, whether it be Marvin Wilson or Wilson and Durden. Um, I think they take one more, maybe more of a three technique. Um, I know that they have, uh, you report on this last week, Brendan, Jeffrey Mba, I'm not sure how you say his last name, the four-star defensive tackle that was offered on July 4th. Yeah. Um, he's high, very high similar to Rogers. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he's very similar to Rogers. And then you have two other guys on the board, Johnny Newton and Johnny Brown, who are both very similar to each other as well. They're both undersized three techniques. So um, Timothy Smith also out there. If you guys want to know more about each of these recruitments, you can go check the, the defensive tackle board update on Knowles 24 seven. But I think that they take one more out of these four, possibly two more out of these four. All right. If so I could have only one. Mm-hmm. Played a game. If I could have only one, I think I'd take Timothy Smith personally. I think so, he's got the highest upside of that whole bunch. So would I. I think I'm not. I'm not saying I don't like six foot six defensive tackles, but I think defensive tackles in the six one to six three six four range are probably you know more. They they end up more times than not in the NFL. Not necessarily always a six foot six guy. So taking two six foot six, uh, I don't want to say projects, but developmental guys like Jeffrey and Rogers might not be the best strategy. I think, a, like Chris said, Timothy Smith is probably the safest bet on the roster on the uh, on the board. Yeah, he needs to drop some weight, and he will. Um, it'll make him a little bit more athletic. Some people have said he looks heavy footed this off season. I think that can be. 
um, dealt with by losing some weight. So I agree with, with Chris. I think right now the big fish on the board is Timothy Smith and he's an in-state guy. All right. So as we basically get through the the middle of July here, uh, a, a very different outlook than it was in late June, which shows recruiting has ebbs and flows. We talked about what an ebb and flow was on the last podcast with Josh. Uh, we got Saturday Night Live coming up. We're going to take a break real quick, uh, hear from our sponsors, and we're going to talk about a few more developments and kind of what we're looking at with that Saturday Night Live, although there'll be more, more and more coming up with that in the next week or so. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the ACC kickoff coming up, which is basically the, the ACC Media Days. And, uh, and yeah, so we're going to take a quick break, and then, uh, then we'll get into a little bit more recruiting. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, and we're back. We spent the last 15 minutes, uh, I guess the first 15 minutes of the podcast, focusing on on positives, which was two really nice commitments for FSU. Uh, now we're going to address some of the, uh, while I was gone, there was some skepticism and some criticism on the fan base uh, of running back recruiting. That seemed really vocal for a day or two. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Saturday Night Live and, and who's coming, who's not coming, all that good stuff. So, And then with the context that it's still two weeks away. Chris, I want to start with you because you put in a crystal ball uh, to Ohio State for Jalen Knighton, who is one of, if not the top, running back on Florida State's board. Uh, one, can I get your thoughts on, well, I know why you put in the, the crystal balls because you think he's going to Ohio State. Why do you think he's going to Ohio State? And two, what's going on with running back recruiting right now? Why are people so worked up? Well, on one, regarding the crystal ball, when he arrived at the opening, it was clear that Ohio State is a school kind of sitting in the best position right now. And the other reason I went ahead and did the crystal ball, every time I've asked Knighton, including them asking Knighton at that event, if he's coming to Saturday Night Live, it's been kind of a not for sure, don't know. There's been no definity to it. The lack of, uh, or I'm sorry, tweet by somebody associated with high school football program saying his guys don't go to camps during that time. It just makes me a skeptic regarding him showing up to Tallahassee. I think if he was to decide today, it would be Ohio State. I still think even if he shows up to Tallahassee, it's a battle for FSU to land him. What was the other part of your question, running back recruiting in that whole yeah, but but real quick for context, Jalen Knighton has set his commitment date for what July thirtieth. Yeah, so it's and right after and that. Center Live so. is July twenty seventh. So yeah, him coming back to campus, coming back back to Florida State seems like a like a significant part of that equation, right? Yeah, and I mean he's a kid that is very influenced by the last visit he took, and at this point, Ohio State is the last visit that he took. And he set a commitment date after that visit. So I just, I feel like all things are kind of leading to Columbus with him. 
No, it, it makes sense. And so with that in mind, there was plenty of angst. Uh, did did Dante Pempleton really shut down his Twitter account, deactivate it for a day or two? I was out of touch. So I saw people saying that. Was he really, did he unplug because people were so worked up? Yeah, it was a weird day uh, for Pimp. It was a weird day for Pimp. Um, I have a theory on Twitter. If you're going to be in, in the Twitterverse and mix it up, state your opinion, do anything, everybody has their day when Twitter comes for you, right? Like, Brendan, you've had your day. I've had plenty of mine. Like, everybody has their day. When it comes for you, you just got to be prepared. You got to be ready for it. And um, for some reason, maybe, I, I honestly want to say it might have been Chris Knee's crystal ball to Ohio State. For some reason, <laughs> the FSU fan base turned on Dante Pimpleton for for seemingly no reason. I mean, nothing significant happened on the running back board that day. I think that's why why they turned is because nothing's happened. And but that's, I mean, but it's not even like Knighton officially decommitted. I right. Mean, Chris Knee put a crystal ball in for him. That was it. Uh, yeah, there were some OSU insiders and stuff, but. Knighton's still 20 days out for making an announcement or something at the time. So, hey, Coach Pimp, if you're out here, you got to be ready. Your day's coming. Everybody's day's coming. So, yeah, he's back on. Um, okay. when, when, when that shit happens, you just got to hit the mute button. It, it, that, it's the best thing you can do. Whatever tweets are, are causing you troubles, just mute those because, you know, by the next day, they'll be on to something new. I like to try to explain myself rationally and then get mad when people don't listen to it. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing you can do. <laughs> All right, Chris, the running back board, though, I think it's important for the context of that, that people are getting frustrated because one, Florida State didn't sign a running back, a scholarship running back this past class, uh, and they only have had Anthony Grant since Willie Taggart's come to board. And I like Anthony Grant, but we haven't seen necessarily if he's a, a true feature back. So it's a really big position in this year's class. We've stated that before. The state of the running back position right now with the recruiting board, Chris, is it is it as bad as it as it looks? No, it's never as bad as people think until the ink is dry and everything is done. Okay, so what? I guess who's there? Who are they working on right now? We can get a thought on. I guess one, how important is Knighton, and then two, if they don't get Knighton, what does the board look at look like after that? Well, I think Knighton's the most important guy on the board. He's the guy they value the most, and they valued him for a long time. So missing on him would be no minor miss, but it doesn't mean you're dead in the water. There's Kevon Lee from Clearwater, who they like a great deal. Lawrence Tolafilli, who's from uh, Largo, or not Largo. He's from, what, Pinellas Park, Josh? Pinellas Park, Largo, yeah, same same area. Yeah. And then you also have Keziah Holmes, but at this point I think he's committed to Penn State. He commits on August, uh, I believe it's 9th. During the early part of August, he just put out top seven, including FSU. But Penn State's trended heavy with him since a mid-June official visit to Happy Valley. Those are kind of your top names on the board. Then, you know, there's guys like Joe Quavius Marks, who's committed to Mississippi State. FSU recruited him real hard before his commitment, but they weren't quite in the position where they wanted to take a commitment at that time. There's Dejon Edwards, who's up at uh, Colquitt County. He's another kid that they like okay. a good bit, um, but they – yeah different conversation for a different day but uh yeah i mean they 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 need to that's what marvin really scott down to. between that yeah marvin scott's another guy uh, i think i'm leaving at least one other the parish kid that committed a pit i mean look here's the thing florida yeah, state under under no circumstance do i think that florida state is going to completely miss at running back like there, there's zero percent chance of that happening the question is will they get the guys that they've been recruiting for six months or longer 
or will they have to kind of recalibrate and, and, and readjust their board? I think we're going to know a lot about whether they're going to have to do that or not after Saturday Night Live. Um, we're going to find out if Knighton's in or not, whether or not he shows. I think if he sits home, I like Ohio State. The only scenario where um, I think Florida State lands Jalen Knighton is if he shows up to Saturday Night Live. I reached out to Lawrence Toafili's coach last week, and he told me uh, Toafili's not going to the quote-unquote FSU night deal. And then Toafili um, confirmed it, but also went a step further saying that he's just done with summer visits in general. So it's not – this isn't – unless we see him pop up somewhere unexpected. This isn't a situation where you know Toafili's going to check out Auburn over Florida State. Um, Kaziah Holmes, I agree with Chris. I have him uh, to Penn State right now. But like he said, they got a couple guys on the back burner. So I'm not worried about them signing nobody. I'm just worried about them not signing their top targets. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, I get the blowback on film because there's only been one signing in his time. So I kind of understand that. But at the same time, the running game sucked last year because the offensive line sucked last year. And it took away from the ability for those guys to showcase their talent. If Cam Akers comes out and performs at a level of what we expect Cam Akers can be, FSU's running back recruiting becomes drastically easier than it is currently today. Right. It seems hard to sell some of the running backs uh, with the offensive line until you can get that proven. Again, comes back to just you have to show it on the field this season. Uh, I know people are probably tired of hearing that, but that's kind of the reality of where Florida State's at. Uh, With the Josh, I'm going to throw this to you because you kind of hinted at it. Saturday Night Live. Seems important in the sense that there's some guys making decisions right before the season. That's why Florida State has that event at that that late in the summer to try to influence guys, to try to be the last thing they're thinking of before the season starts. With the truncated recruiting calendar, they're hoping that momentum is something they can get late in the summer and then just kind of hold on to guys during the season. How big is this setting up to be with a guy like a Knighton or some other of their top targets with Center Night Live to, to actually get guys on campus? It's a calculated risk, right, to get them – on campus that late in the game? <laughs> he's, he's muted. He's talking, but he's muted. He muted. I can see that he's muted. Damn it. This is this is mute, moving day for Florida State. I think I used that right. Chris always loves to use the term moving day. So is did I use it right for Saturday Night Live? Would this be moving day? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I usually use it in the sense of if there's like a three day camp, that middle day is the most important day. Cause so many guys are in and out, but we can, we can uh, use that definition here. I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, All right. so, yeah. I mean, basically we're going to find out a lot about Florida state. I have some, unlike, you know, last year we were saying the same thing, right. But there was so much goodwill out there and so much hope and, 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 and people were believing in what was going on at Florida state that all these kids showed up, even though they didn't come in June. Um, this year, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to create panic or anything because at the end of the day, it only matters who shows up, but we have, it's been very hard to confirm more than a handful of uncommitted prospects right now. Uh, we have a whole bunch of maybes, very few no's and very few yeses. It's so like the face, it's like the Facebook invite uh, feature. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but this takes the temperature. It takes the temperature of the program and with anything, temperatures can change. But the turnout that I'm expecting at Saturday Night Live is probably a fraction of what we saw last year at Saturday Night Live in terms of star power. So right now we know the temperature. We've been telling you all the temperature. 
And I think, you know, this Saturday Night Live is just going to confirm that. All right, Christopher. I mean, uh, Josh pretty much hit it on the head. You know, most kids I talk to, I get a maybe. The other thing people got to remember, the calendar opens up after the 24th, but it's only open for about five, six days. Then it goes dead again as preseason begins for schools. So it's a very tight window with a lot of schools trying to get the same kids on campus for different events. UF has Friday night lights on the Friday before FSU Saturday night live. Miami doesn't have a camp that week because they did paradise in June because they're starting preseason camp earlier with their early game, but they're still trying to get some kids on campus. I know they're trying to get Isaiah Walker on campus that week. Caden Baker, they're trying to get on campus that week. And then of course there's other schools that will have similar events in the Southeast. So there's a whole lot of people vying for the same kids with a very short window for visits to happen. Now FSU is trying to make sure, even if it's not for Saturday Night Live, that a kid is able to drive in or out or through Tallahassee at some point while making visits in that small window of time. So it's a bit of a, um, a rush on the college side of them all pursuing these kids for this short window to make that last impression of the summer. And, and for what it's worth, like Center Live's still, what, two weeks away, uh, 10 days away? Uh, so, you know, things can still develop and, and still occur right now. So maybe you get a little bit more clarity between now and then. Uh, but anyways, let's move off recruiting right now. And, uh, and Chris, I want to get your thoughts really quick. You were at Lift for Life the other day, and that's kind of the first time. It's a cool event for that Florida State's done every year for a few years in a row now. Uh, it's basically a lot of doing workout <laughs> in front of a crowd uh, for charity. Uh, you do certain reps, and, and you get donations for that. Uh, but for our context like of, of what we care about as reporters and covering the football team on a day-to-day, uh, you get to see some of these guys for the first time. And you get to talk to some of these guys for the first time in, in months since the since the spring football ended. So, Chris, you were there. Anything particular stand out to you from guys you talked to or saw anything like that? We talked to DeKalen Brooks, Keyshawn Helton, and Jaden Woodby Lars. Or I'm sorry, Jaden Lars. <laughs> um, DeKalen organized it. He was the primary organizer. Keyshawn and Jaden helped him, but it was DeKalen's baby. He did a great job. He definitely got that from his father where the philanthropic side certainly there. And he's a guy that cares a great deal about community and doing things that are bigger than him. So hat tip to him for that. As far as the competition on the field, I don't want to put a whole lot of weight into it. They were going half speed. They were having a little fun. You know, some guys took things seriously, like guys on the bench throwing up 20. Did anyone look bigger, obstacle course. more muscular, uh, I mean, faster? That's what people want to know, Chris. Chaz Neal certainly continues to look like a guy filling out his frame in the right manner to be a uh, potential offensive tackle. Uh, okay. He definitely looks like a guy that's making a transformation. Uh, Keyshawn Helton, not necessarily bigger, but that kid's in fantastic shape. And my God, his competitiveness is just, it comes through every setting all the time. It's, it's never turned off. It's one of those things that just stand out about him. Um, I thought Blackman looked good. He's still skinny, or as he likes to say, a different kind of skinny. But he, he does look like he's a guy that's taken to the program, working very hard within it, and doing the most to maximize his current body structure. Um, now, some of the guys weren't there. Marvin Wilson, for example, LeBourne was not there, so didn't get to see how he's coming back from injury. I mean, all in all, I thought the team looked good. There were a few guys that obviously you wish you saw more. I think Mike Arnold is a guy that comes to mind for me with that. Mike Arnold's body just, it's not changed a whole lot in his time at FSU. Jalen Goss, well, he's gotten thicker. He just doesn't yet look like a guy that can handle getting pushed around by 300-pound defensive linemen 
who are barreling downhill on them. So there's some of that too. So, you know, I'd put a little weight on both sides, but in general, you know, guys get after, I'd say there was four to five dozen players there at first scholarship types, probably around four dozen scholarship types. I love that this is the only podcast that'll probably give you guys an in-depth evaluation of, of how guys looked and competed uh, during a charity event. And, and that the guy who broke it down was begrudgingly doing so. Thanks, Chris. Uh, <laughs> ACC kickoff is this week. Chris and I are both hitting the road, I guess, tomorrow. Uh, I'll be staying just south of uh, North Carolina. He'll be in Charlotte, but we'll be there for what is essentially the ACC's media days. And Florida State is bringing one offensive player, one defensive player. That's the typical formula. On defense, not a huge surprise. Marvin Wilson, someone who who's really kind of stepped into his own and, and as a leader, has bought into Willie Taggart and has played really well last year. On offense, it's Tamarian Terry. Uh, that was the name I guess I was kind of surprised at when, when we saw that that's who, who they were bringing. It makes sense. He was probably their best offensive player last year, certainly the most productive uh, from a national ranking uh, perspective, but someone who you know hasn't really really been the face of the program or the offense up to this point. Uh, Josh, were you surprised that it wasn't uh, Cam Akers, James Blackman, someone else other than, than Tamarian Terry? No, I think those are the best two players on their respective sides of the ball. And the way that James Blackman's been handled as far as his leadership, I guess, capabilities under uh, the new coaching staff, I was not surprised. You know, he's barely, he still hasn't even been named the starter yet, has he, technically? No. Right. So he hasn't been named the starter yet. Um, I've kind of been beating this drum back since November when the, the rumors of Blackman's potential department were coming. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of trust behind him that he is truly the guy. Um, there wasn't last year. And then here we are a couple weeks out from the start of the season and we're going to go into fall camp without naming a starter. That could be for for mind trick purposes, or that could be because they truly believe that they need somebody to compete with Blackman because maybe he's not the guy. So I think you just send your best two players and hell it's media days. James Blackman might not have even wanted to go to media days. Who wants to go to media days? Get to sit there and look at it, a crowd of all of us weirdos, overweight yeah. guys holding up so cameras. I, maybe to their faces. Yeah, maybe James just said, "Nah, coach, I'm good. Send somebody else." <laughs> <laughs> well, to, for for what it's worth, like Tamarian doesn't really like uh, the spotlight. That's not really his thing. I think he's gotten more comfortable with it. Right. Uh, actually, you've seen him grow a little bit, but he's oh, he's definitely talking. grown from yeah. the times we were interviewing him as a recruit. Yeah, <laughs> come on. But you know, if he's someone he's who has lot. who has NFL aspirations in the next year or so, which we all believe he does, yeah, this is a good this is a good uh, good experience. Yeah. Chris, were, were, did you think that was uh, strange at all, or are you cool with it? I think those are your two guys who are most likely to make all ACC preseason, so I think it made sense. I, I I see Josh's point with Blackman, but at the end of the day, I think it's the two like he said at the beginning of his take, it's the two best players on the team, especially from each side of respective ball. So, yeah, and Cam's already been there before. So, you know, give a different guy a different chance. And from the Blackman perspective, like, he wasn't starter last year. So are you going to bring a guy who right. didn't start for you last season? That, that's yeah. a, right. that's ha- atypical. But half well, of the you know, hey, going to be about uh, but, last year, too. So, Yeah, but you look at what Miami's doing. Miami's bringing K.J. Osborne. Not only did he not play for Miami, he wasn't even on the roster last year. <laughs> he just transferred in. But yeah, what, I'm not what, looking it, too much into this. It, it's media days, you know. It's what if media. What if Florida State brought in Alex Hornibrook? Right. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, I don't think I'd be going. <laughs> oh, I, I think that would be interesting. Um, storylines for FSU, Chris, you put out a couple. Uh, real quick, just a minute, if you just want to talk about some of the storylines, things that we'll be looking for, questions you want to ask, whatever, just a, a scene setter, if you will. Uh, John Swafford, the commissioner, will speak. I'm hoping he gives some idea of the ACC network, the direction it's going, the financial impact it will have. From an FSU perspective, I think one big storyline is they're going to be pretty light on all ACC players. Terry might make it, but there's only three receivers, and Clemson probably claims two of those, so it's going to be tough for him. I think Marvin's your only surefire lock on the roster to be preseason all ACC. First team. kind of weird. I can't remember the last time. Yeah, well – preseason they only do the one team don't they if i remember correctly uh, you know what post. you know what i think you're i was thinking about like some of the magazines yeah. i think you're right for the acc you're correct yep yeah preseason they do like a quarterback two running back three receivers five o line four d line that type of thing so it's limited numbers so it's kind of a preview of who they think is going to be the biggest and the baddest the postseason has first second third team honorable mention that's right so it's much more extensive uh from a question perspective there's going to be a boatload to talk about last year. Truthfully, I'm sick and tired of talking about last year. I'm much more interested in where they've come from the spring, especially on the offensive side of the ball, with understanding what Randy Clements and Kendall Browse and Ron Dugans bring to the coaching tree of the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I want to hear if guys feel more confident in the system and like they're more capable of executing what's being asked of them by Harlan Barnett. And if the defense is going to be a little more not shut down because I never expect them to be shut down with what they're trying to do, but a little more dependable in the sense of not getting gouged like they did last year. For me, that's probably the biggest questions I have. And for Coach Taggart, I just want to see where the mindset is. You know, what is he thinking about? What does he think about his next team? What does he think his team's learned the most from his first season at the helm? And what has he learned the most from his first season at the helm at FSU? I think that's the big thing for Willie is he's talked about that, what he's learned about this team, what he's learned about the program. I'm interested like what he's learned about himself. And he's kind of talked about it a little bit in this recent media tour that we've, we've discussed with him going on with the other associated press and that podcast. And, uh, that was at the, uh, bleacher report who did the in-depth article on him. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see like what Willie has learned about himself and changes he's made. We've seen him make changes on the offensive side of the ball with the coaching staff. I'm curious, like what he's learned, uh, through what was a turbulent season. I think that's the big one. Uh, is, does that count as asking about last year, though, Chris? Are you going to get mad at me if I ask him about that? No, because I think that's about progress. It's not about what the hell happened. It's more about where are you today because of what happened yesterday. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Well, there's no. There's not much of a need to go and rehash last year. We all, if you have eyes, you saw what happened last season. So moving forward. All right. What else can we, we got? Can, can we take bets on who asks the worst question at ACC Media Days? Yeah, sure. Who do you think? Me? Um, I'll go with Brendan. Yeah, I'll take Brendan versus the field. There's some. <laughs> there are some real random folk at ACC Media Days. At ACC. Yeah, yeah John, be more Josh is you guys. I don't know who okay. all is in the room each year. You Josh, guys is ne- Josh has it. never been there. It's uh, it's not a freak. Sh- it's a freak show. It's weird. So I you mean, guys would know who, who's going to ask think, the worst question. Chris and I look normal I compared to those guys. My single favorite moment at ACC kickoff is probably still Larry Fedor in the whole foxhole speech about the United States. I was just standing there to ask some random question about a former offensive coordinator who now works at UMass. And holy hell, that question got asked by somebody. 
and fedora just lit up like a Christmas tree and it was on. And I just sat there and took it in because luckily for me, I did not have to write about it and I did not have to really care, but I just enjoyed it. Because but as, it, as it's happening, did you gonna have to write about it? I was going to say, you knew that was going to be a national story as that was happening. Oh God. I, I was, <laughs> it was me and Wayne McGahey were standing beside each other and we just kind of looked at each other like, holy shit, this is happening. <laughs> like, let's just take this in and just, see how it's put out there in two, three, four hours after this conversation. The, the, the Wayne, who's, uh, Wayne, Wayne who served, who served two tours as, as a, in the Marines too. Um, yeah. was yeah. like, what? All right. Fall camp starts August 2nd. They report the day before that's August 1st. So we got those dates set up guys. Football season's almost here. Are you excited? No? Yes. Maybe. Yeah, definitely. Let's always do it. All right. I All always right. like, I always like football season. So I'm here for it. You like every season, basketball, baseball. This is your least favorite time of year, huh? This is July, just nothing going on. Yeah, July's pretty dreadful. Yeah, it's boring. Just sit there in your own thoughts and just, just ruminate. All right, guys, this was fun. I'm glad we got the gang back together. I still can't ask for five-star reviews yet until we get to 450 uh, uh, total reviews. We're, we're close. We're close, but I can't ask for any. I think even me talking about it right now is a violation of the promise I made. So anyways, everyone, thanks for listening. Josh and Chris, thanks for uh, coming on with me today. Uh, this is Brendan Snow with Knowles 24-7s on the bench, and we'll uh, we'll be back sometime later this week. Oh, sticking the landing. Sticking the landing. <laughs>